Welcome to the EdTech Guys podcast, coming to you from Los Angeles, California, with your hosts, Aaron, Caesar, and myself, Jose. Bringing you what's hot, new, and interesting in the world of educational technology. This is episode four, The Principles. Hey guys, welcome. Uh, this is, uh, it's definitely be a learning week. Um, we are going to be covering um, fundamental principles of interaction and design. Um, where good design is supported by discoverability and understanding. Uh, we're going to be focused today mostly on the seven principles of uh, interaction, which are one, discoverability, two, affordance, three, signifiers, four, mapping, five, feedback, six, conceptual model, and seven, constraints. Let's break them down. Let's do it, guys. You guys ready to talk about this? Yeah, I got this, man. Are you guys going to help me out understanding affordances? Because I don't know what the heck that is, man. I've, it's been like two months. Yeah, I, well, I read a whole book on it, and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> well, Jose, let's start with affordances then. You know, they don't necessarily have to be in order. Um, you know, let's definitely uh, break it down and give uh, Caesar a little uh, insight on what affordances can be. Thank okay, you, thank so, you. so affordances, Caesar. let's start off with saying no. It's not how much technology costs. <laughs> um, affordances is <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's just to clar- just to clarify that for Caesar, it's okay, not thanks, how much See, technology costs. All this time, I thought it was how much the I'm the the MacBook Pro costs. <laughs> so what affordances is, they exist to make sure that everyone, the users using whatever product it may be, that um the desired actions are actually what they are supposed to do. So in other words, actions are what we perceive them to be. If that makes any sense to you guys. Um, So just breaking that down a little more, it's if we see a door handle, a handle usually in our perception is to pull or push guys. Pull, right? So when you see a handle, your perception is, okay, I need to pull it. That's what the handle is for. So if indeed it is a pull handle, then the affordance is there. The perception of that handle is what the action actually does. I, I get it. I get it. So, yeah, like the door handle, you know, a handle is there or doorknob is there to be pulled or turned to open a door. Uh, now, a bad design would be if um, if you had a door that said pull or push, that would be a bad design. A good design would be a door with no um, markings on it to push or pull. Um, I have an analogy. So you're driving on a highway. You have the yellow lines in the middle. Uh, you have trucks or cars passing on the other side. You have signs on the right side telling you speed indicator or speed uh, speed limits. Um, your affordance would be your lane because it is that you are doing. They designed it so that you go in the right direction, right? If the sign was turned the other way, or if the sign said the same thing on both sides, that would be a bad design because you wouldn't know which way to go. You wouldn't know which way to drive. So if I came from the United Kingdom and I came to the United States, they drive on the opposite side of the road. They drive on the left side of the road. We drive on the right. So having those signs 
and those signifiers, those constraints on the right-hand side tells me that I should be driving on the right side of the road, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense right there. I, I know that uh, we were looking at some videos in class about the door handle and oh, how yeah. people don't know whether to push or pull, right? People are like bumping into <laughs> it, so that's bad design. I mean, I had that instance this week. I was at a sub shop uh, with uh, some of my teachers and um, we were getting lunch and we were going to leave and I wasn't paying attention and I saw a door, but didn't know if it was push or pull. So, you know, I, I walked towards it and not realizing that it was just a single door, not a double door. I walked right into the glass wall. Um, yeah. <laughs> movie yep. status like boom, that happens a lot, yeah. everywhere i oh, was wow. so embarrassed um but you know if i was paying attention and you know really using what i've learned in our classes um i would have known that the door was on the right side not the left side and um the they did have a bad design though because it did say push um so i did uh realize that but um, yeah, just a, you know, a real life example, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll, um, so we'll move on from affordances and we're going to move on. Let's go to signifiers because signifiers are something that our listeners see every day. Um, if you've ever used a stove, um, you know, the handles, a stove or a grill, uh, those little knobs, um, uh, those are signifiers. They're telling you, you know, the left one is for the left burner. The middle one is for the middle burner. The right one is for the right burner. Um, so those are signifiers. They are um, things that give you feedback um, and they're communicated and they are intangible. So they- They pretty much ensure the discoverability aspect of whatever item you're using or whatever product is, is being used. And it doesn't necessarily, all these things, we're, we keep talking about products and physical things that are, are um you know foreseen in, in daily use but it's also in the design of you know technology so we'll, we'll we'll dive in deeper to that but we're gonna stick to these examples because these examples have are have really helped us you know understand the seven interactive uh, principles of interaction so i don't know if you guys want to talk about it caesar and aaron that we we really we really did focus now that you're mentioning the knobs we focused on a stove being good design versus bad design right. and you know this class made me just start looking at everything differently every time I'm, I'm at a store i'm like oh that's bad design oh oh dang that's really good design yeah so yeah. one of the things one of the things that that they they mentioned in our classes is that good design comes without thinking yep yeah it's, let that, it's let that sink in yeah yeah it's 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 completely subliminal it's so ingrained in our nature that um, we don't even know that we're doing it without doing it. It's like breathing almost like our body just does it for us. Our brain, you know, processes these things in the design and it makes it so that we just seamlessly do it. Um, a lot of us, you know, were around when the touchscreen phones came out and we were, you know, we used to be on the, the touch tone phones with the, the actual buttons. Um, and we moved on to these, these screens. They literally look just like a piece of glass. And um, throughout time now, we are seeing that people are so, it's so subliminal 
that they know to hit a certain button that they and it's they're not even hitting a button they're just tapping a a, a piece of glass in essence um and so that's where these seven uh principles come into play where it's just things just happen naturally and it's it's a lot like turning on a stove or turning on a grill um and so um those signifiers obviously help us ensure that discoverability and the feedback is well communicated um and we'll move on to mappings because mappings is very similar um that would be very much like a stove that you have on the top a good design would have a knob next to each burner but now we know that that's not necessarily uh you know always the good thing because sometimes you'll have to reach over across the stove to turn on one which you might already have a burner on which could you know leave you open to getting hurt so they design the stoves with these markings and like we said the doors having the push or the pull that's bad design because you don't know which way the door opens so having the layout is very important to design and we see that a lot especially on home appliances yeah so mapping is just pretty much giving us direction and where things are in place that belong to item a belongs to item a item b belongs to item b item c belongs to item c right yeah. just so our listeners know a little bit of a definition of mapping but going back to what aaron was saying in terms of signifiers and uh, related to mappings as well they actually did studies uh, with kids with little babies now and they give them an ipad uh, that has a magazine cover on it and the ipad itself i mean the the ipad is a it's a magazine right so when you give a kid a real magazine a paper magazine they want to touch it and move it like an ipad their brain is so wired now to be a touch screen that they think that they don't know what to do with the with the magazine. They don't know how to open it and turn the pages. They actually yeah. touch. There's like a touch. They think it's a touch screen. That's crazy. Yeah, they're losing so, those tangible feelings of you know even reading a book um, with you know Audible and these other yep. digital bookstores. Yep. Um, kids are losing the ability to. Um, to to read a physical book not that yeah. you know it's necessarily the most important thing is you know being able to handle a book but as a child as a young child i think it's very important especially teaching elementary school because you know not every school has the devices in the classroom that you know you can touch and use digital books but you know yeah. knowing how to read a you know physical mm -hmm. book and of which side is the right the front side which side's the back side what are the how do we read right or you know left to right you know those little things especially like pre-k tk kindergarten are so important and you know build the foundation because if you build a foundation on if you build a house on sand it's going to fall every time if you build if you build a house on cement it's going to stand uh, so those little tangible things i think are essential to the concrete of the foundation of the student. Caesar, in that study that you're talking about, when, when given um, a real life magazine to these kids, since there was no feedback, what did you think, like, what did they do? Did you read on that or like any, anything? I'm just interested. If not, we can no, move yeah, forward. I did. Uh, I actually saw like a video as well. And uh, it actually brings us to the, one of the fundamental principles we were talking about feedback, right? 
So yeah. their brain's wired for the feedback to be a touch screen. When they touch, something appears. That's the feedback that they were born with, and that's what they grew exactly. up with. Exactly. So, like, they, they touch the screen, and it gives a kind of, like, a little vibration so they know that something's happening, right? So that's, that's pretty much the definition of feedback. Like, what you do to something, the, the reaction it gives is that feedback. So that's how they know that the page is turning. That's how they know that something's new, right? But then you give them that physical magazine, and obviously there's no feedback at all. So, so yeah, it's, exactly. it's crazy. Exactly. So, so that leads into our next principle, which is feedback. Um, and feedback is, is essentially the, the outcome of an action. Um, so turning on a back to the stove, turning on a burner, twisting the knob turns on the burner, which, you know, the fire. Uh, you also hear that like that click tick 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 yeah so that's the Uh, feedback itself yeah those are those are all signs of the feedback and you know um you know we'll take it to technology using opening an app on an iphone or android whatever you use you know tapping that button opens the uh the application there is no physical button there it's not you click it in but now even like apple watches for example i'm wearing one the button on the side isn't actually a physical button. It literally is just designed to look like a button because our minds tell us, oh, what if I push the button, something's going to happen. So I push the button and it takes me to a tab view of all of my applications. It's not an actual button, though, to where it pushes in. It just gives me the vibration as if I'm pushing a button, which is genius. Uh, and well designed um, because yep. it gives you the look of a button, but actually isn't a physical. Button. So yeah, you already know. know what to do, right? So, so it kind of kind of touches bases on discoverability, like exactly. determining action just by seeing it. So you see this little round thing on the side of your Apple Watch, and you already know. Okay, I know that if I push that, it's it's a button. It's gonna you know it's gonna give me feedback. It's gonna give me some type of reaction. So. We didn't, we didn't even talk about discoverability, but that's kind of like one of the, the first things that we talked about in the seven principles is discoverability. Just by seeing the product itself, you automatically know what it does. And that would be good. They would be having good discoverability. When you see it, you know what it does. When you, and then there's other designs that when you see it, you have to question, oh, what does this really do? You know, that's, that would fall into bad design. Yeah, and uh, Apple is obviously known for their great design, right? And as Aaron mentioned, uh, like you said, it's a button on the Apple Watch, but it's not really a button, but it just looks like one. And that's the design principle. That's what makes good design. That's what makes good products. When you have discoverability, it's a great signifier as well, right? Looking at that button and like, okay, what does this do? Let me push it. Just have the instinct of pushing it. And also the mapping, it's right there where it's supposed to be right next to your finger on the side of the watch. So I think like you guys are on point and I think that um, these principles really help uh, product designers make things better for the users. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And Apple does a really good job and Microsoft has been doing a better job lately, especially with their surface tablet. One that I'm using right Is now. Is that right? Is that right? Aaron, do we I want know to I'm this? going away. We want to get that. into this, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm saying that both companies are doing a great job using the seven principles of design in their products. Um, back to the Apple watch 
there are constraints, which is another principle. Uh, you know, there's only so much that I yes. can physically or logically do with the Apple Watch. And the buttons and the applications that open, those things are all constraints. Like I go back to the analogy of the road, the lines on the street, the signs on the highway, the cars going the opposite direction, those are all constraints to keep me in the right, uh, the right lane. So um, constraints basically just keep you on track of doing the right action. That's right. Yeah, they, they, they provide a physical, logical, semantic, and even cultural guide to the actions that you want to take, right? Sometimes the, the constraints are built by culture. Constraints in, in the seven principles doesn't necessarily mean what you cannot do. It's just in good design, you already know what needs to be done and like obviously what this product can't do Eric, you want to talk about the conceptual model yeah i mean i it, that was the the one principle that i struggled the most with is the conceptual model because um you know i i somewhat understand it the definition is the design projects all the information needed to create a good conceptual model of the system leading to understanding and a feeling of control. It enhances discoverability and evaluation of results. See, that to me is just a mumble jumbo of words. Jose, Caesar, actually, can you guys explain it a little bit better? <laughs> I actually had trouble with affordance and that one was the toughest one, man. That one was, those two were for me the toughest to grasp. Uh, I, I, I feel like uh, I think it has to do more with uh, the, the, the back end of a product before it even gets to market um maybe um the designers have to really think conceptually how is this product gonna benefit the user how is this product gonna be used by the population or wh whatever it, whatever audience is intended to and uh that's what i got from it i don't know if i'm correct but that's what i got i got more of the back end not not the actual um product itself in the concept but the back end where the designers have to you know, create a good a good concept so the users know what to do. They have they have good signifiers, good mapping and feedback and constraints and all the other principles. So that's what I thought about. I don't know if I'm correct. <laughs> I feel that you're on the right track. I feel that that's something that um, as a designer we have to look at and we don't really take into consideration um, just everything, you know, how the system is going to work, how the system is made. And the comp the composition of all the concepts which which we're gonna use to create whatever we're creating, um, so we have to understand and help people know how to understand the product and how it's gonna you know how it's gonna simulate and how what it represents. So it's pretty much like you said, like ev everything prior to the, the product, you know, coming out. You have to really understand everything going back to. Um, you know, cultural, cultural, visual, audio, how it's going to be used or what it's going to be used for. So just, you know, really understanding this product before you even create it is part of what the conceptual model is. Yeah, I think so. And I think you could go back to it, you know, I mean, it's uh, like I said, I, I feel that the conceptual model, the, that principle, it, it has to do more with the back end. But, you know, when you design the, the product, or or the even the presentation you can go back and evaluate 
okay, see what what's conceptually, how do we do, how do we how do we present the the model or the presentation or the teaching lesson, whatever it is, and see if uh, it was intended for what it was intended, going back to all the other principles as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't really didn't really understand it much, but uh, you know, slowly but surely after reading and more reading and research, you know, slowly kind of figuring out that it is, yeah, what Caesar said, mostly in the back end, it's in the design, it's in the UI. Um, so when there's when you're developing a yeah. product, you have two teams, you have a development team and you have a UI team and how they communicate, how things are gonna be done. Yep. Um, by the user, not by, you know, task oriented, but by yep. the user itself, how they're going to interact with the application, the device, whatever you're designing um, is all into the conceptual model. So it's all those bits and pieces that have to link together in a process in a streamlined process to uh, get the user to do the desired action. Um, well, yeah, I mean, so we just went over seven design principles. Just be mindful when you're designing something, everyone out there, to our listeners, just be mindful. And the best way to make a good design is to think, put yourself in the shoes of the user and just think, if I see this product, will I know what to do with it? If I see this, if I touch this certain button, will it give me a signifier that lets me know that the action is going to come? Or, you know, just, just always put yourself in the shoes of the user um, a really good book that, that uh, prof our professor suggested to us and I had a chance to read and I agree it's a really good book to, 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 the, as to the design thinking aspects is uh, The Design of Everyday Things by Don Norman. So if you guys got a chance, listeners, yeah. pick that yeah. up. It, it allows you to really dig deeper into the, the mind of a designer and try to really look at things differently and appreciate and I guess positively critique you know things that are being invented and things that are already out there and maybe even inspire you to, to create something of your own yeah i really like the book i think it, like you said it goes really uh into it but at the same time it's very uh it's readable it's very you could digest it very well it's not you know yeah, it's very an easy read it's yeah it's easy. exactly it's an easy read and it's really it, it breaks it down really well uh, it's something you can keep in your restroom when you're using the restroom. Just open well, I don't know about that, brother. Some... <laughs> I, I, I'm not. The, I'm not a proponent of that. I do not agree with that statement. <laughs> I do not. It's not sponsored by me. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's pretty easy read. I really like. I really liked it as well. I haven't finished it all, but what I've read was uh, like pretty cool and 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 easy to read. Uh, in terms of the seven fundamental principles of the interaction. I think uh, looking me as a teacher, I, I use those things. I think it has made me a better teacher because now when I present, I, look, I go through those principles. I go to see how my presentations are being, you know, how, what signifiers am I using for my students to focus in on specific information that I want to convey? Uh, what are my mappings? What are my feedback? Um, things like that. And uh, in even doing a lesson, you know, I think. Uh, being uh, in this program has really taught me to look at the whole whole back end of preparation and when you present uh, a product which is my teaching I'm, I'm presenting my product as a teacher and my students are are the users so how am i doing a, a great job of 
uh, following the principles of interaction, good design, and it has helped me, you know, develop better lessons and better uh, presentations and better information for my students where they could digest it, understand it, and they're not, you know, confused at all times. So I think this, this program has really helped me out. Thank you for connecting it back to teaching. Uh, that's an important thing to do. Um, just because so some of our listeners are current teachers and whatnot, so it can help them in, um, you know, their lesson planning and, and whatnot. So, like, back to what I said, putting yourself in the user's shoes, as always, is, is what good designers do. I think, like, we covered it pretty quickly. I think uh, it might be um, um, a little bit, you know, overwhelming, I think, at times. But I think if you just go through those seven fundamental principles of interaction, and we're going to link some... Um, some um, resources for you for everybody our listeners to follow up and they could read up a little bit more on it and it, it it doesn't have to be about teaching it doesn't have to be about product design it could be about anything you know any work related uh products you make or or presentations or tutorials anything could be it, all this could be related to that so if you use those principles i think you'll be in a good good standing and uh, your users and your your audience are going to be more knowledgeable and they're going to understand you a lot more. Yeah. And with that, listeners, if you have any questions, comments uh, about the seven principles of design, we are on Instagram. We are the ed tech guys. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Ask, ask away. Uh, we'd be happy to get you the answer. And if we don't know, we would happy uh, to do the research for you um, so that you don't have to. Um, you know, with that, you know, this wraps up another episode of the Ed Tech Guys. Uh, you know, we uh, you. would love for you to uh, <laughs> subscribe. Uh, we are on pretty much every podcast nice. site now. Uh, we are on Apple. We're on Google. We are on Anchor, which is our host. Uh, we are on pretty much everything. Stitcher, Spotify. Spotify as well. Yep. You. Yeah. Uh, Great we job, Aaron. Great job. Finally man. have our website up. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Nice. Look out on our uh, Instagram for the link. Uh, we will be yep. pushing that out as much as we possibly can. Uh, we may be having a break here uh, while we get yeah. ready for our uh, our Olympic exam camps, that we're yeah. taking uh, in a couple of weeks. So um, we, might not have, have, we might not have an episode in the <laughs> – you know, until after Thanksgiving break, but I'm freaking uh, out. I'm be... freaking out, guys. I'm freaking out. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but we will be back after the Thanksgiving break, and we will be bringing you many more episodes of the Ed Tech Guys. You. Thanks for listening. As always, subscribe, like, comment. We are blessed to have you guys as listeners, and have a great time. Yeah. So enjoy guys. your weekend, guys. Yeah, enjoy your weekend, guys. Yeah. Take it easy.